You guys doing good? Yeah. You're awake? <laughs> Alan's awake. <laughs> uh, hey, good morning, guys. So good to see uh, some faces we haven't seen in a while. Uh, new faces, too. Super excited. If you are new to the church, you want to get more connected, uh, or you've been around for a while, but you're like, okay, I'm tired of uh, kind of sitting on the fringes. I want to get more uh, involved. Just reach out. We want to get you involved, too. Uh, a couple uh, things I want to talk about before we hop in. Oh, by the way, if you're new, my name is Taka. Uh, I get to be part of the team here at the church, but... Um, on Friday, on Friday, they had, the young adults had a uh, game night. I know some of you guys were like, well, I saw the thing about the young adults game night, but what age is, is young adult, right? So if, when you're, if you're like in your 30s, you're like, am I still a young adult? My hips don't feel like I'm a young adult anymore. I can kind of tell when it's going to rain soon, you know? So, uh, so we realized, you, I, I think next time, the, the team wants to do it more, uh, but I think we may open it up actually at some point to um, even us old, uh, decrepit, dusty folks. Uh, to come be a part of the games, too. But we'll have to, like, call it early, like, at 8 o'clock. We're after the sun goes down, we go home, uh, kind of thing. So, but uh, thank you to Nin, to Jess, to Aubrey, to Amy, young adult team who put that together. So really appreciate that. Uh, also, one thing I want to put on your radar, too. Sometimes I just want to put needs out there because uh, people are like, I had no idea I would have been a part of that if I knew about it. Um, but so you heard about summer camp. Uh, and so part of what the, summer, the team is doing is they're... Um, you know, pieing uh, the pastors, as you guys have heard, and they've raised, I think, like $400-ish uh, in, in uh, you know, in, in physical and emotional damage to the pastoral staff. Uh, so, uh, but um, we just found out that it's going to cost about 2200 bucks for the buses uh, to go up there so the kids are safely uh, being, you know, trekked up there, and I think everything's just gone up with gas and logistics and everything. So if you want to be a part of that, uh, the camp is already uh, a little pricey, and so we don't want to put that burden on the parents, so we're just going to eat it as a church and cover the cost for the uh, buses, for the transportation for the youth. But if you want to be a part of that at all, I think the pies are going to go towards that. But if you want to be a part of making that happen, uh, you can always just, when you give, just put like a youth camp or something like that in there, and then we'll make sure it goes uh, to them, but we'll make you aware of that. Uh, also, uh, one of our things we have on here is on, in, in the summers, this is, a, well, this is the first year that we're actually going to really do it, is uh, the elders have asked the uh, Nally and I to take July as a sabbatical every summer, and we designed this years ago, and every year we've been able to not really do it, and f- for, for whatever reason, we always knew that it was going to be four or five years before we actually do it full steam, and so, uh, you, know, you know, there was like a, we, we launched, and then the, the world shut down, and then so uh, this year was like, they were like, hey, are you actually going to take a full sabbatical in the summer, and we're like, well, for the most part, except we'll just be here for this or that, and they just push back, and they go, you know, what will it take? for you guys to fully detach uh, in July. And so just, I want to clarify, because some of you guys, depending on your church history, or especially maybe if you used to go to church, but then you stopped because of maybe a sabbatical situation, here's what I mean by that, is sometimes sabbatical uh, means we caught the pastor doing bad stuff, and so we're going to bench him uh, for a season before you never see him again, and we're going to call that sabbatical. I mean, time for him to focus on their family, uh, but it's because they're, uh, they're messed up. So that's not what this is. This, all right, so there's no, no one caught us smoking behind the boys' room, all right? It's not like, this is, uh, this is not even about a vacation from the past year. Uh, what this is, is a recharging <clears throat> for the next year, a re-envisioning uh, for the next year. And so uh, just practically, if you want, ever want to reach out to anybody in leadership, uh, Raphael will be interim leader along with the elders alongside of him. 
Uh, obviously, uh, Joe will be running the staff. Uh, but you can always email elders at voice.church, and the team will get back to you. If you, you can email me, and it'll just be an autoresponder. Uh, but if you, if you, you know my cell phone number, you can text me. We'll, we can hang out. It's fine. That's fine. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I think that's it. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you uh, for carrying the load of the church. Or we'll be watching online. You'll see us in the chat. Uh, but uh, thank you for allowing us to do that. Thank you for giving us the space to do that. Thank you for carrying the burden of the church. You know, one of the things Scripture talks about is that the leadership of the church is not there to do all the work of the church. Actually, the leadership of the church is to, the, the job of the leadership of the church is, what the Scripture says, is to equip and train and release those in the church to do the work of the church. And so, and that doesn't mean running lights and sound. It means the work of the church in the community, which would include Sunday mornings, but also what happens on missions and community engagement and that kind of thing. So thank you for uh, leading and being a part of that. Because one of the goals for us as a church is we never wanted to be a church that was built on a person. We never wanted to be a church that was built on a personality. We want to build on Jesus and what Jesus taught, and that's it. And so part of that uh, is, is, you know, benching us uh, in July for a sabbatical uh, so that we uh, can reinforce that. Let me give you a little bit of history. Uh, so today is, it's called Summer Prayers, and we're going to talk about three questions. Three questions. We're going to go in teacher mode. we got the whiteboard up here. Some of you guys that are teachers got a little uh, triggered. Uh, but we're, uh, we uh, have, have three questions for you. Uh, and then I have three prayers, okay? Three questions and three prayers. Uh, first, let me give you a little context. If you guys are newer to the church, or maybe if you're, uh, you've been in, you're an OG, you remember some of those days, will be a, a little walk down memory lane. But in, the, in September of 2017, we started this journey of what would it look like to potentially plant a church? And what kind of insane person would want to do that? Uh, I remember talking to one of my mentors, and we had just left uh, the church we were at for 18 months. Uh, we were at... An, well, no, no, 18 months, and the church before that, we were at a church for 21 years, uh, and we, I called up a friend of mine going, I, I'm starting to feel this stirring uh, to plant a church, I need you to talk me out of it, and it's because I, I, I coached church planters, I had friends at church planted, and I looked at them, and we're going, man, you guys are insane, uh, you put this on yourself, why would you do this, you masochist, and uh, I, I knew enough to know I didn't want to do it, you know what I mean, and so uh, I talked to my friend, and he just lovingly said, I, I kid you not, he just goes, Taka, if you, you need to parlay into being a lead, uh, here's a couple churches that would hire you, and if you go plant a church, it would be career suicide. So really encouraging conversation. Um, <clears throat> we started this journey because what we wanted to create as a church, we thought was, the last thing th the world needs is just another cookie-cutter church. And it's not saying we do anything better, we just do things differently. Uh, and so we felt like we wanted to do stuff differently enough uh, that maybe I think God's calling us to create something. Uh, and it's one of those things that we're, I'd rather try and fail uh, than wonder if it could have happened. And so we still consider this an experiment, so thanks for being a part of this, uh, being guinea pigs here. Uh, we'll see if this thing works at scale. But when we planted, we planted in this area because in the area of, of Tustin and central Orange County, um, there's about, at that time in 2017, uh, it was about 8% churched, which means that 8% of the people said on demographic studies that we go to church on a regular basis. 
8%. My guess is that number is probably maybe half uh, of that now. Uh, so 8%. Demographically, uh, you have about one-third Asian, one-third Hispanic, one-third Caucasian, and then a bunch of swirl babies in the mix. And then for us, when we were looking at our friendship circle, we lived in Irvine at the time for six years. Uh, I did a lot. Probably half my week was spent in Santa Ana. We always hung out in Old Town, Tustin, and we always just felt at home in Tustin. We looked at our, our, our friendship circles. It was about one-third Asian, one-third Hispanic, and one-third uh, Caucasian, and then a bunch of swirl babies in the mix. And then when we look at our family. We're like, you know, one-fourth Asian and, one and a couple swirl babies with our kids. And so we're going, I wonder if God's calling us to create something uh, different. And so uh, what's interesting is at that time, the population of the U.S. was growing eight times faster than the church was. Eight times faster. We were quickly moving to not even just a post-Christian nation, but we were moving into an anti-Christian nation. And there were a lot of my friends, I'm sure you have friends as well, or maybe it's part of your journey, uh, left the church uh, for whatever reason. Probably more accelerated even more now, five years later, four years later than it was then. And here's, and here's the thing. When I looked at my friends that left the church, I didn't really blame them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know that sounds like weird for a pastor to say, when they gave me their reasons, some were bitter and they were just, you know, they were just going through all But some of them, honestly, the questions they were asking, the concerns that they had, it's like, yeah. No, what you experienced was just wrong. Like, that was just wrong. And it's not even biblical. Like, the way you were led was not biblical. And so we were like, well, I wonder if we can do something else. Also, what was really grieving us at the time was the, the stats came out in 2017 that about 3,500 churches closed their doors every year in the U.S., even just in the past year, 12 of, our, 12 of our friends or acquaintances' churches have closed. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy. So we're super grateful that we still exist, that we're still here through a pandemic. Four out of five churches, new plan, uh, four out of five new churches fail, and then one out of those 10 churches that survive are financially sustainable after five years. Four out of five church plants fail. And so here we are through a pandemic and through whatever 15 other things that happened in the last three and a half years, and we're still here, and we're still kicking, we're still moving forward. So super grateful for you guys, and that's glory to God, and, and, and thankful to you. And what's cool in the middle of all that, um, you know, out, we're, we're, we're stable financially, and you guys that know kind of the way I operate financially, uh, we're super, uh, we try to have balance between super frugal, which allows us to be super generous right? Super frugal, which allows us to be super generous. And so we launched with a cash reserve. Part of our launch budget was to have a cash reserve because we knew it was inevitable every four or five years, some sort of dip happens, right? And so we want to be ready for that. It's not faith-filled uh, to not prepare. And so we wanted to prepare. And so oddly enough, with the, you know, with the impending recession happening, you guys heard anything about that? Um, with interest rates going up and your uh, stock portfolio or your crypto RIP uh, portfolio uh, is, is down in the tubes. Uh, people are retracting giving. And I get it. They're scared, you know. But so that means giving for the church has gone down pretty significantly the last couple of years. But it's okay. We have cash reserve. And so because we were wise as a church, because you guys were generous as a church, we're able to uh, get through this season. But outside of even just the last couple months, we're golden. And over the past few years, we've been able to give tens of thousands of dollars away to local 
nonprofits to global nonprofits to missionaries to plant churches. I mean, you guys have been a part of so many things. We just reported last week that like $43,000 was raised for, to, to, to dig clean water wells for those around the world that don't have clean water. You guys are a part of that. $1,500 raised or $1,300 raised for uh, teen parents to go to camp. That's you guys. Great job with that. See, this happens all the time. And over and over again in the pandemic, we were able to, even during really hard times, you know, now if I ever ask Natalie, do you want to bless this organization? She's always going to say yes, a thousand percent of the time, right? So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a rubber stamp. She's like, yes, always bless people all the time, right? That's kind of her uh, thing. So, but there were so many times during the pandemic when there were organizations that I knew they were struggling, local and global, and we were able to dip into the missions fund and some of our savings accounts and go, look, giving is down and it's got to be down for you too, but we want to bless you. We want to bless you. We want to put wind in your sails, put, put hope back in your heart. You got this. And so you guys were a part of that too. And we, did, we, we do a terrible job of reporting all that stuff to you. So we did a lot of that stuff, and we just never told you guys about it. So we'll try to do better at that going forward. But just know that you guys are blessing people all around uh, the world. And we believe that God is just getting warmed up. We believe God is just getting warmed up with this, with this weird experiment called uh, voice. So that's a little bit of our history. Some of you guys that want to know context of how we got here. So now, summer of 2022. Summer of 2022. Like I said, I have three questions for you. Three questions for you. And I just, here's where I need your feedback because we're going to use the whiteboard here, okay? So the first question is this. You can put this, the question on the screen. What do... What do, uh, what do the American church, uh, probably what does the American church, what do, sorry, I, I, adulting is hard, words are hard, uh, <clears throat> I don't do school good, so uh, what does the American church, maybe a different way to phrase it is this, what, what is the average person in America looking for uh, in a church, go ahead and just yell it out, like having one, oh, great one, okay. I apologize already for my handwriting. I, I was going to be uh, going to medicine, uh, so maybe that's why. Uh, so what we look for? Uh, children's ministry. Sometimes I, I dictate a lot on the phone. Do you guys do that? You guys use dictation? Knowing your kids? Um, and so I can't even write anymore. Sometimes my hand is writing words. I'm going, what are you even doing? It's just uh, children's ministry. Okay. That is not even a letter. Okay. Uh, children's ministry. What else? Encouragement, yeah. No autocorrect on this, yeah. Community. Ted Talk. You're at the wrong church. I'm so sorry. But they only have to come up with one talk every 10 years, you know? Uh, Ted Talk worthy uh, sermons. Good worship. Transparency. What do you mean by that? Like with like finances and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So communication. Yeah. Accountability is huge for us. Um firm believer that a, po- a power without accountability becomes power abused, right? For all of us. Discipleship. Discipleship. Can I be honest? I think a lot of people are looking for a convenient location. Before you, I think some of you guys are getting like real spiritual here, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> but it, come on. 
if, they, if there was a church that had all these things, but they were like 10 miles away, be like, I don't know, man. I just... Let's be honest. Let's give the real answers. Nice coffee? Yeah. No, Jesus, that, that's very important. What's that? Diversity? Yeah, there's the real answers. Comfort chairs. That's how you guys find the church, right? Yeah, okay. Yelp, Yelp reviews. What else? Some of you guys are like, you want to say something, but like, you're too embarrassed. What else? Yeah. You know what's so sad about that? Is that should be a given, but you know what I mean? But, you know. I'm not going to my trailer after this, you know, in the back. Yeah. With support? Yeah. Good, Sandy. Thanks. Support. I promise that says support. Yeah. <laughs> That's what my mom would do. My mom, we grew up in a Korean Presbyterian church, and my mom never wanted to serve. She goes, I give so that someone else can serve. All right. So, um, <laughs> So you guys are like laughing, but you that's what you do. So it's okay. Uh, everyone else, mom, if you're listening, I'm sorry to call you out on that. Uh, everyone else serves. Yeah, okay, so uh, agrees with your stance? Okay. We talk about it. I, I think... Our culture today is great with nuance and disagreement. What's that? Are you looking for? Yeah. Yeah. Spouse. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I, I used to lead a young adult ministry. And I said, it, it, we were talking about relationships. Uh, and I said, if you are single in the room, raise your hand. And then it's all people raise their hand. And I was like, if you are looking, look around. I just helped you out. Anyways. So... Spouse, if you're wondering if that person across the room is single, now you know. Now you know. Uh, yeah, okay, that's, that's good for now. We can add more uh, later. Here's the second question. What has, this is what we're looking for in a church. What's God looking for in a church? Encouragement, yeah. Obedience. Yeah. I'll put serving. I think servitude is like slavery. <laughs> because Paul does say he's a slave to Christ. Anyways, but I'll put serving. Love for neighbor. Generosity? Where do you see reciprocity? Generosity. Generosity. <laughs> All right. All right. Gen let's, pre let's pretend that says generosity. That doesn't. Somewhere in there it says generosity. Okay. Grace. Yeah, grace. Yeah, thank you. My phone gives up sometimes. Like autocorrect just goes, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you're doing anymore. What else? What's God looking for? 
Hard explain that. Yes. So what's going on on under the surface? Yeah, so it's so crazy. The church is supposed to be a place where you take the mask off. A lot of times it's the time we put the veneer on, the mask on, right? So we fight in the car, and then we come to church. We're like, God bless you. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord. How are you doing? Blessed? How about you? Blessed, right? Right. Oh, what's really going on? What else? Bravery? Yeah, that's good. Empathy? I'm really bad at that, yeah. You guys that know him here are like, yeah, I know me. We know. That's why Natalie's here. Anything else? Yeah. Pray for one another. Worshiping with a heart. <laughs> there you go. Disney's knocking on my door. Uh, anything else? Vulnerability, yeah, for sure. That is so important. I don't know why it's church leaders are known today as, as not vulnerable. Which, you know, we, when I grew up in, 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 in like a seminary, we were taught about this idea called the pastor's mystique. And the pastor's mystique is like this idea of don't get too close to people uh, because then they'll see your faults. So that is why a lot of times a lot of churches will have a back entrance for the pastor. The pastor will go to a green room, speak, and then leave because there's a sense of that you can't lead people if you're too close to them, right? And some of you guys, that was kind of an organizational leadership idea too, whether that be business or military or whatever. You just don't go too close to the ranks or else uh, they won't respect you as much. And so we've got these couple lists, right? What are we looking for in a church? Uh, we got some good answers. We got some real answers. Uh, we have what's God looking for in a church? And here's the third question. I told you I had three questions. The third question then is, which list will we prioritize? Which list will we prioritize? As, as, a, as a startup church, um, as a new church, we can't do everything, but we can do anything, pretty much. We can't fly, but we can do most things, but we, we can't do everything. The church we were part of uh, for 20-some years served on the executive team there, and um, you know we had thousands of people every Sunday, and we could have a small group for like, oh, are you a left-handed soccer mom who loves Gilmore Girls? Well, there's a small group every night of the week for you. Uh, where, what's most convenient? And there's, there was something for everybody, and we, you know, we don't really have that uh, here. Some of you guys are like, wait, is there a small group like that? Um, so we can't do uh, everything, but we can do anything. And so here's a few qu- diagnostic questions as we look at these two lists. And if, if you can't read it, you can just remember kind of what I wrote. Look at the first letter and go, I think that's what it says. Um, if we start ignoring things off of one of these lists, if I just start going randomly ignoring, crossing things off, which ones would frustrate you if they got crossed off? Honestly, not the, not the right answer, not like the church Sunday school answer, but the real answer. Like we start crossing off, uh, man, we're going we're gonna to deprioritize good worship. Uh, because, man, it's all about your heart anyways, right? So it's like Jesus didn't have a worship team. Uh, so we're going to, it's like productions or a convenient location. You know, we can't afford this place. We're going to go meet, uh, you know, 30 minutes away. But you'll still come, right? Because um, we're going to sell the chairs. We can't afford them. We're going to get some, you know, more like the ones that will make you stronger uh, <laughs> chairs in your soul, right? So, 
but we're going to deprioritize some of these. So we, which ones, if we cross them off, would like frustrate you? Like, oh, I don't want you to cross that one off, right? Honestly. And which ones, if we started crossing them off, would frustrate God? And are they the same? And here's the thing, I'm not trying to do this to guilt trip you. I'm doing this because when I did this exercise, I've been, I've been like wrestling with this for years. When I did this exercise, I realized that what I want many times and what God wants are not in alignment. The things that stress me out, the things that give me anxiety are not the things that God has put on me. It's the things that I've put on me. It's the things that I've allowed social pressure to put on me, but it's not the things that God's going to hold me accountable to. We're not going to get to heaven and God's going to go, well done. Good and faithful servant, your chair's so comfy. <laughs> like, my gosh, your location, right off a of jamboree. So, so much parking. Amazing, amazing, great job. The way the, the lights hit through the haze, so good. We were talking about it in heaven all week. So good, right? That's not the stuff that they're going to talk about. It's not unimportant, it's just deprioritized. It's just not the most important. Now, here's another question, the opposite end of the spectrum. If we were to heavily resource a few things, if we were to start putting money towards just a few items and heavily resource it, which ones would you get excited about us resourcing? And again, would they be the same ones that God would be excited us, about us resourcing? See, so... I've been wrestling with this because there's a way, there's a way to grow church. You can go to just Google church growth and you can, there's a way to grow crowds. There's a way to make crowds applaud when you do this stuff. You do it. We bring in Justin Bieber next week. We have a petting zoo. We, you know, we bring in Jesus culture to lead worship or whoever the coolest thing is. And we can grow the church. We can make crowds applaud. And I'm not saying that stuff's bad. My neighbor had a petting zoo yesterday for a birthday party, and it was just the coolest thing ever. So we're not against that. But when we try to manufacture growth, there's a way, if we're just honest, there's a way that you can make crowds applaud but disappoint the heart of God. There's a way to grow a church, but we're actually further away from what God has called us to do. And so um, I don't know what we're all supposed to do. But I do know this. We're going to try to prioritize the things God is looking for. And it doesn't mean, as you may go, Taka, how come we don't have X, Y, Z at the church? This other church I went to, they had, I know, I know, I know. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to, as best we can, focus on this stuff. We're not perfect by any means. We're really trying to focus on this stuff. Now, it doesn't mean there's, like, unsafe environments for your kids. They're not playing with, like, knives over there and electrical cords hanging out of the wall. Like, we're going to create, like, a safe and fun environment for them. We're trying to do fun stuff with youth, young adults, all that kind of stuff. We're trying to do all, like, we're trying to have a convenient location, you know. We, we turn down buildings that weren't in a convenient location. So we're trying to do all this kind of stuff where the teaching team puts a lot of heart and effort into TED Talk-worthy sermons, uh, like memorable sermons. We have a, a thing around here. We, we want our teachings to be mud. We want them to be memorable, understandable, doable, right? It's really important to us, not just to make you feel like you're smarter and you check the box, like, you know, I learned something new, but actually bother you. Like one of our priorities is to bother you on Sunday mornings, to give you something to talk about at lunch, to make you go, oh, crap, what if I actually lived that? Like what would it actually look like if I lived that? Not just go, oh, great, now I know how to exegete this scripture in Hebrews. Great, so what? So what? Can you, do you, what would it look like if you lived it? What would have to change it? What would change if you, if you lived it? Anyways, I don't want to diatribe on that. So 
I don't know what it means, but I have, I have three prayers that I think are going to guide us into what this could uh, look closer to looking like. So three prayers for this summer. Three prayers that I'm praying for you. Uh, I know Natalie probably pr- she prays more than me, so I'm sure she's praying for you as well. Uh, but the first prayer uh, is this, to worship with abandon. That we will be a church that worships with abandon. And that's not a style thing. That's not like, because I've been in the opposite extreme of this, a very Pentecostal church where um, <clears throat> the, the, the right bridge or the right verse or the right drum buildup hits, and it's like the big drop and like an EDM song where everyone like raises their hands at the right time. So it, it's, there's a way to create a vibe too that is manufactured, all right? So it's not that, but it's about, it's like this, erupting from your soul. Here's the thing. Some of you guys are like, well, I just don't. I'm just more reserved, Taka. I just, I worship the Lord like this. Okay, but here's the thing. I'm not against that. I'm not, I'm not saying like, you know, this is more spiritual than this. All I know is this. I've seen you guys at Angels games. I've seen you guys cheer for the Warriors, right? No one goes, Otani hit a home run. I'm so excited right now right? And no one has to go up in front of the stage and go, hey, look, guys, hey, before this baseball game starts, every once in a while there's going to be a home run or a great play, and people are going to raise their hands. They're going to be excited. Let me explain what's going on. That's not weird. Here's what they're feeling right now. Hey, hey, when, when the team goes up there and we get a home run, could you be excited and really just kind of, no one has to do that. Why? Because you're engaged. Your soul's engaged, right? And so here's, what I, here's one way to look at it. We want to worship, as if God is real, as if we're forgiven, and if it's ho- as if hope is alive. We want to worship as if God is real, as if we're forgiven, and as if hope is alive. We want to worship as if God is real. We don't, we don't worship a dusty book. You understand that? For the first few hundred years of the church, they didn't even have a Bible. We're not a people that follow a book. Now, we believe the Bible is authoritative, Right? So we're not, we're not, I'm not devaluing the Bible. I'm just saying if you were to ask someone in the first couple hundred years of the church, do you follow a book? They'd say, what book? We follow Jesus. Right? We follow Jesus. So we worship a God who is real. The Bible says if you want to please God, you must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently search after him. So we follow a God who's real. We don't follow doctrine. We don't follow a list of do's and don'ts. We follow God. We follow God. Second thing is we worship as if we're forgiven. As if we're given. So, so, much, so many of us worship as if we are full of regrets and shame. So many of us worship as if we're full of condemnation, as if we're detached from our salvation. Listen. The regret, the shame, the coulda, woulda, shouldas, I wish I would have done this, or I wish I didn't do that. I, I, I'm replaying what I did that one night or what I did to that person, or I can't believe I said that. or can't. All that stuff is, Jesus said, give your burdens to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He's saying, let me carry that for you. There should be a levity when we surrender our lives to God. You don't have to carry that. There's so many of us carrying things that Jesus goes, I forgave that so long ago. Why can't you just receive that forgiveness? And we need to worship as people that are forgiven, as people who have light souls, right? So worship as if you are forgiven. Because Jesus forgives you, you forgive you, right? So worship as if we're we're forgiven, and then worship as if hope is alive. The reality is 
Because Jesus died, doctrinally, because Jesus died, our sins are forgiven. Because he rose from the dead, we can be born again. What that means practically is we don't, Jesus is not still in the tomb. If the bones were still in the tomb, let's, why are we here, right? Jesus is in the present tense here, alive today, right? So that is not mythology or legend. This is historical fact. So when we worship, we don't worship the man who was. We worship the God who is. So worship as if you're forgiven. Worship as if God is real. And then worship as if Jesus is alive. So in John chapter 4, uh, there's a verse, uh, Jesus speaking. He says, it's, it's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit. Your worship must engage your spirit. What that means is it can't, it's not just your hands. The reason why you celebrate when your team scores a touchdown is because your spirit is engaged. And it overflows and it erupts and your body has to respond. Right? You can't, you can't help. That's why some of you guys, when you go through a haunted house, you get scared, right? Well, one time we were watching um, Stranger Things, I think, <clears throat> and Natalie threw her drink into her eye. <laughs> and it's, it was like, it's like you're in chemistry class, class looking for like the, the thing to flush her eye. She's like literally blind walking through. Like She's like, help me, help me. I'm like, what do you want me to do? You just threw drinks all over like the, the couch and stuff. But anyways, <laughs> why? Because her spirit was engaged in Stranger Things, and when her spirit got scared, her whole body reacted, right? So some of us aren't, aren't worshiping in a way where our spirits are engaged, right? So engage your spirit. It says, <clears throat> we must engage your spirit in the, in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father's looking out for. So the Father's looking. He says he's looking for those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself spirit. God is spirit. God manifests at times throughout history in physical, but he is spirit. He's not physical for, for the real practical reason that God created the physical, which exists three or four dimensions depending on how you look at it, length with high time. God created those, so physical is embedded, anchored to that reality, and God is outside of that because God created it. So outside of that is spirit. I don't want to in a weird diatribe there, but those who worship him must worship out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. So our prayer, first prayer is that we would, be, we would worship with abandon. Second prayer is this, that we believe that God responds to prayer and fasting, that we believe that God responds to prayer and fasting. One of the things we want more than anything else to have a culture of prayer and fasting. What's interesting is, you know, the scripture talks about how Jesus, uh, Jesus's parents, when he was younger, like in his early teen years, um, they were they went into the city and, you know, and then they had a big caravan. They were leaving the city and they realized after some time that their kid wasn't with them. Jesus wasn't with them, right? Like parents of the year, right? So they realized we should go back and find our kid. And so they went back into the city and they found Jesus at church, at the synagogue, talking church stuff and doctrine and theology with, uh, with some of the rabbis, right? And kind of the way uh, my old pastor used to teach us this uh, in, in the seminary was, uh, he goes, look, Jesus' parents lost him at church. And a lot of us lose Jesus at church too. 
And the, the heart of that is we can do all this stuff, and you can attend, and you can serve, and you can give, and you can worship, and you can be in small group. You can even lead a small group. But it's so often, I mean, we've all been through this, but if you spend any amount of time in church where you are consistent at church, but your soul is completely disconnected from God, Right? Even if you're in leadership, it's even worse if you're in leadership because you're so used to preparing the table spiritually for others but starving yourself. So, do you have a regular prayer life? I'm not asking how many times you go to church. Put that to the side. Do you have a regular prayer life? In other words, do you pray on a regular basis? Not like, oh dear God, bail me out from this situation. I got. That's not, that's not, that, that is prayer, I guess, in some form. Uh, but it's not a relationship. The only time you talk to your spouse when you're like, I'm in jail again. Uh, can you give me, okay, you probably won't have a great relationship. So some of us have prayer lives like that, where it's like, can I have this stuff, and can you get me out of this mess? Like, those are our prayers, right? It's kind of a, a, kind of a dysfunctional relationship, right? So do you have a regular prayer life on a regular basis? If not, don't overthink it. Don't feel guilty. Don't be like, oh, I used to. I feel dumb, because don't overthink it. No guilt, no shame, no condemnation. What would it look like to start one? That's it. No guilt, no shame, no condemnation. What would it look like to start one? What would it look like to pencil in five minutes? Okay, a commercial break between your show. Five minutes. That could later become 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, but start with something that you can do consistently, right? What would it look like to start a consistent prayer life? If you do have a consistent prayer life, what would it look like to develop it? And if it's developed, what would it look like to teach someone else how to develop a prayer life? Do you fast? Do you fast? Fasting just means, well, biblically, it means stopping eating for a certain amount of time, a day, a week, a month, 40 days, 100 days, if you really want to do that. Uh, but do you, do you fast? I've heard some people say, oh, yeah, I fast. I've, I fast like vegetables. It's like, come on, man. You never ate vegetables to begin with. I fasted cilantro my whole life because it's trash. But I know some of you guys are going to leave the church. So, <clears throat> but do you fast? Do you fast? And what it, what it means, it doesn't mean like, if you fast video games or you fast, you know, meat for a season or TV, it doesn't mean those things are bad. It just means that those are getting, you're saying you're busy, but you're doing that stuff. And so for a season, one day a week, one night a week, one week a year, whatever, that you just say, I'm going to fast that stuff so I can focus on God. It's not a health plan. It's not a weight loss plan. It's not, I'm going to fast junk food. Okay, that's called a diet. Okay, let's just call it what it is. It's not a weight loss plan. It's a focus on God plan. Okay, so do you fast? If you don't, what would it look like to start on a regular basis? From 9.50 to 10.10 on Sunday mornings, we have pre-service prayer. We just started it this morning. Okay, so 9.50 to 10.10, 20 minutes on Sunday mornings, this room becomes a house of prayer. Okay, so if you want to be a part of that, you can, you can do that. Okay, um, third prayer. Third prayer is this. So one is that we would, uh, have, we would worship with abandon. Second is that we believe that God responds to prayer and fasting. Third is that we'd have Jesus-centered priorities. Jesus-centered priorities. Priorities are one of those things that aren't based on emotions because emotions, uh, emotions will lead you, they're like the tides, right? They go up and down depending on how, you know, how much sleep you got and what you're feeling that day and if your team won. Okay, so those are emotions. Priorities are decisions, Priorities are our choices. Emotions lead us to this. Priorities lead us to this. Does that make sense? So these are pre-choice choices. My old youth pastor just tell me. Pre-choice choices. So here's what I challenge you to pray. I, I double-dog dare you to pray this, right? 
God, what do you want my priorities to be? Not Taka, not Voice Church, not, you know, Google, what's my, no, God, what do you want my priorities to be? And I challenge you to start praying around two things first, because if you can, these are the steering wheels of your life, that you can, if you can figure out what God wants you to do with these two areas, everything else kind of falls in line. Your time and your money. Nothing else steers, steers your heart like what you do with your time and with your money. And pray, God, what would you want me to do with the few minutes, relatively speaking, I have on this earth? What do you want me to do with the, with the finances you put into my heart or into my heart, into my life? Don't put them into my heart. Like what, what, fi- what finances you give me, how can I be a good steward with that? God, what do you want my priorities to be? All right? And then do it. Simple as that. And the thing with priorities, it means this. When it's convenient, and especially when it's not. So if you say, I'm going to work out every day, except for when I don't want to. Okay? It's like, how's that worked out for you? Right? I'm going to put God first in my prayer life, unless a new season of a TV show comes out. Okay. Pre-choice choices, not emotions. Don't ask, what do I want right now? Don't ask what I'm feeling right now. Right, think through what are the priorities God wants me to have. Right emotions will follow right choices eventually. Right emotions will follow right choices eventually. Some of us are waiting until we feel a certain way to do something. Listen, you rarely feel your way into acting right. Right? In any area, you'll never feel like eating healthy. You'll never feel like working out. You'll never feel like apologizing. You never feel like praying, right? Rarely. So you rarely can feel your way into acting, but you can always act your way into feeling. You can rarely feel your way into acting. You can always feel or act your way into feelings. Your emotions will catch up to your obedience eventually. Your emotions will catch up to your obedience emotionally. Second to last statement. Be careful of chasing things that do not matter. Be careful of chasing things that do not matter and neglecting things that do. Be careful. It's easy to get caught up, to get swept up, to just to pick up your feet with the currents of culture and then go, what is my life about? What have I spent my time, my money, my life on? Be careful of chasing things that don't matter. I know they felt like they mattered in the moment, but they don't matter. Our addicts, our goodwill is full of stuff where people chased in the moment and they just don't matter anymore. Be careful of chasing things that don't matter and neglecting things that do. So I want you to picture this. This isn't about a, just a, a nice little teaching for us to leave with. I want to, us to think about something. Imagine being part of a church. Imagine being part of a church. Imagine being the kind of person that truly worships with abandon. It's like you thought about it but really does it. Maybe you used to and you had some church pain and you're like, I don't know if I'm ready. What if you really worship with abandon again? What if you really did? What, what, if, what if you were someone that believed in the power of prayer and fasting? What if you had an intimate relationship with God because of how you handled prayer and how you handled fasting in your life? What if you had a close relationship with God that you didn't just know about God, that you actually knew God? You didn't just talk about it. It wasn't just doctrine. It wasn't just like, here's what good stuff to do as a good person does, but you actually followed God that you, what would that look like? Isn't that what you want? And what would it be like to be a people that has Jesus-centered priorities? 
that people can look at your life and go, man, it's obvious that Jesus is number one. Not their business, not their career. Jesus is number one in their life. Isn't that the kind of church you want to be part of? I mean, honestly, isn't it? Isn't that the kind of person you want to be? Because I think that's the kind of person God would want you to be. I think that's the kind of person that God, or kind of church that God would want us to be. Last statement. You live toward what you look forward to. You live toward what you look forward to. So this is what I look forward to. And I want to challenge us to live towards that. This is the church that I want to be part of. This is the church that I think you want to be part of if you're here. So what would happen if we lived towards that? We'd be a church that worships with abandon, be a church that believes in the power of prayer and fasting, and it would be a church um, <clears throat> that has Jesus-centered priorities. Let me pray uh, for us, and we'll sing one last uh, song together. We're actually going to take communion here. Kathy will lead us through that. Uh, God, we just... Uh, we worship you, God. And regardless of where we're at spiritually, maybe we are in a great relationship with you. Maybe we have never been in a relationship with you. Maybe we used to. And if we're honest, we've drifted in a relationship with you. We've gotten uh, caught up in just other things in life and pandemic and all this stuff. And we've forgotten you, but we, we're, we're done with that. And we want to remember you again. We want to reprioritize you as not just a part of our lives, but as Lord of our lives, as the most central thing in our lives. And God, we, we as a church submit that to you. We surrender to you. God, when you look at Voice Church, would you see a people that prioritize you above everything else? Would you see a house of prayer? Would you see a people that are, are faithful to you and prioritize you above everything else in our lives? Would you see a church that worships? Would you see a church that's just faithful? We thank you for it, God. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the things that I really truly value, and I think it's for better or for worse, <laughs> depending on how you see it, but I think being vulnerable is one of the most important things for me as I've journeyed with God and surrounded myself with people who are journeying alongside of me. And it's one thing that I've learned in the 20 years that I've been doing ministry in some capacity is that it's super easy, even, as, even for me, to come up here and like truly fake it. Like there are phrases that we know to use to make it seem like things are okay. There's Bible verse that we can repeat over and over again to make you truly believe that we've been spending time with the Lord. There are things that we can do with our bodies as much as whether it's to lift up our hands as to clap. Like it's not that hard to fake it. Especially if you've been a part of church for a very, very long time. And if I can be honest with y'all, that was me for a long, long time through my journey here a Voice. And I maybe haven't said it that way, but the only reason why I'm bringing it up today is because listening to our pastor's heart, we want to build a strong church. We want to be able to be proud of this space. I think every single one of us want this space to be a place where you can invite your neighbor or invite your mom or invite someone you love because you so desperately want them to encounter Jesus. But a lot of the times, if not all the times, it starts with us individually, like independently. And this is not a guilt trip, none whatsoever. But I think this is the first year in about 15 years that I have legitimately put prayer back in my life in a genuine way. 
This is the first time in about 15 years that I have legitimately thought about church in a different frame of mind that I've been used to. And I just want to encourage you today, listen, take your five minutes and pray. Go home and make God a priority. Go home and talk to your kids about what they learned in the classrooms. Engage with this. I, I, and I'm sorry, Pastor, if, if, if this is something that I should have said out loud. And uh, if there's one thing that I, that I know people know about me here is that I love breweries. Everybody. Everybody knows this. If you want to buy me a gift card, you know what to buy me. If you want to buy me a shirt, you know what to buy me. Everyone knows I love Denver. Everybody. My coworkers, my wife, my family, everyone knows about it. You know what they didn't know about me? That I love Jesus. I've worked at a school five-ish years, and up until this year is when I really started talking about my faith all over again. So let me just encourage you today. Like, these are much more than just words. Practice them. Practice them. Engage with this. This church would be so much better if all of us together as a group would truly, truly, truly be a people that were going after God's heart. And not only were we doing that, but we were cheering each other on. Because listen, we're going to fall and fail one way, shape, or form. And it's so much better to be in a community where people cheer you on. So before we dismiss today, um, we would like to encourage you, if you need prayer of every, at any sort, whether it's something that Pastor Taka said, whether it's something that God spoke to you directly through worship, this place is open for you. The worship team is going to be singing back here. The elders are going to be down here praying alongside of you. We just want to create a safe space for you to continue to engage with the Lord. Secondly, every single time that we meet together, uh, we, we, we take offering. And I just want to continue to encourage you today to give unto the Lord and be faithful. And this is something, again, to be vulnerable, something that I've always struggled with, is trusting the Lord in this aspect of my life. So let me pray then. Lastly, there was one more. Connection cards. <laughs> if this is your first time here today, there are connection cards right in front of you. Again, it's not to bother you. It's just literally to provide a tool for you to just get connected with us and to meet your needs. So if we all could just lift up our hands this way, and then I'm going to pray. And then for those who want to be here for the response time, you're welcome to stay. Lord, we just want to say thank you, Lord Jesus. We just want to worship you. We just want to be, Lord, we're just so excited, Lord Jesus, that, that we get to just come here and just say, I love you. Like, we get to come here, Lord, and thank you for your faithfulness, the things that we do see and the things that we don't see. I just want to say thank you, Lord God, for using our pastors to lead this church. I pray, Lord, as they, they take their sabbatical, Lord, that you will bless them, that they will be refreshed and recharged. Lord, I know I've done ministry. Many of us here have done ministry, and we know how taxing that is. So Lord, I pray as, as much as they want to recharge and refresh and hang out with family, I pray that they will also find time in, their, in, their, in this sabbatical to just get connected right back to you. Lord, I pray for those who are here today, for those the unspoken prayer requests or even spoken for those who know of them. I pray, Lord Jesus, you will speak to them as well. And as we go back to our homes and as we go back to wherever we may go, Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will put into practice the things that we learn here so we could be a blessing out there. We love you and we thank you. Angels, let me pray.
Amen.